<laughs> I'm going to do that again. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Carb Watch. This is the show where we offer weight loss advice. It's all things weight management. And I am your host, Ben Rogers, and I've got a special guest with me today in Andrea Kendrick. Uh, Andrea, why don't you introduce us uh, to just who you are, what you do, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get into some weight loss wisdom today. I can't wait. Awesome! Thank you so much for having me. Um, I am a registered dietitian in the Knoxville area, and I have been in private practice for ten years. Um, I mostly deal with insurance at this point in time, working with patients with diabetes, high cholesterol, overweight, obesity. Um, also tap into some GI stuff as well with IBS, celiac disease, that sort of thing. Um, and I also take in some athletes too. I, I love a variety, I guess, um, of clientele that I work with. Yeah. So, and it's, yeah. we've been, I mean, gosh, we're about a minute in and, and before you, before we click record here, you told me that you're easily bored and I can see that you don't get bored in your job. You're, you're all over the right. place in what you treat and, and who you treat. Yeah. And, uh, you and I connected, uh, quite a bit on the athletic front. Um, so, yeah. so tell me to start off for, for the people who don't know, what is the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist? Absolutely. So as a dietitian, my educational background has been that I've gone to school for nutrition um, and I had to have a core group of didactic courses um, that would then make me eligible to do an internship. Um, and in that internship, I had community rotations that I would do. So I might be at places like the health department, working with WIC or with food banks. I had a food service um, rotation, oftentimes in a hospital setting, getting a lot of exposure to like cardiac diets, diabetes, uh, diabetes uh, diabetic diets, that sort of thing. Um, and then a clinical rotation. So I was looking at each one of those disease states um, and having a concentration, um, during that time. And then upon finishing that I could take my registration exam. And then I do as most medical professionals require continuing education. So a nutritionist may or may not have that same kind of rigor in terms of their education, um, and also the continuing ed that's required. So super interesting. It, it, the whole, you know, nutrition mm -hmm. world is so fascinating to me. And and I think, you know, yeah. one of the big misconceptions is, you know, around, uh, you know, within the, in the weight loss, you know, industry, health and wellness industry is carbs and calories, you know, what matters and what doesn't. And I know one of the things you wanted to talk about today is how carbs aren't created equal. There's, you know, there's some carbs you might want to stay away from and some that you, you know, can consume. Why don't you, let's get started uh, with that. Like, what do you mean yeah. when you say all carbs aren't created equal. Yeah, it's something that's been coming up a lot with me here with patients um, that may have prediabetes and I might be working with them on a series of other maybe GI symptoms. And they're saying, hey, I thought I told you I was prediabetic and you're still feeding me carbs. Um, and they're not recognizing that I am having them on a lower carbohydrate diet, but I think we get this misconception and it might be from the ketogenic diet that maybe they should be eating 30 grams of carbs which is really too low for most people unless they are really doing that ketogenic diet. Um, so I wanted to educate just the general public, just because like I said, it's been coming up a lot here lately with people that not all carbs are created equal. We have to consider, is there fiber associated with those carbs? Is there added sugar in those carbs? And what about gluten? Because that's also another misconception I find people saying, well, it's gluten-free. And it's almost like they think it erases the fact that um, it's providing carbohydrates. 
So I do, I want to delve in um, a whole lot more and talk about the different types um, it, of carbohydrates. It, it sounds like there's a formula in there. Cause it, you know, one thing I hear a lot is, you, you know, macros and, and I yeah. know, I know a lot of that's about, you know, taking, you know, the carbs you're, you're consuming and then subtracting out maybe fiber. Is that kind yeah. of where you're going at when you're talking about all carbs aren't created equal? Yeah, you're, you're getting close and we didn't actually talk about this and I kind of love it. You're kind of guessing me, but I actually have a little rule and, um, I do it as if carbs are the largest number, when we're looking at a food label, I always look at dietary, I'm sorry, I look at total fat, total carbon protein. And if carbs are the largest number, which so many things are even things that we thought were proteins, um, I would like one gram of dietary fiber for every 50 calories. That's, that's my little formula that I challenge people to. So, so what do you mean by dietary fiber? Is that, so that's just fiber that's in the food that you're eating, eating? Yes. So on the food label, there'll be total carbohydrates. And then there's an indentation um, on the food label. And then it says dietary fiber. So pretend there was 20 grams of carbohydrates. And then it said dietary fiber five. And then there might be a sugar category for naturally occurring or at, and or added sugars. Um, and that would all be accounted for under that total carbohydrate number. Okay. So, okay. So you're looking at that dietary fiber number and then the total calories, and then you're yes. trying to keep a certain ratio between the two. Yes, absolutely. And say that, and ratio, minimum, say that ratio yeah. one more time. For sure. My minimum is one gram of fiber for every 50, 50 calories. Um, so if a food, you know, product had 150 calories in it, we would want at least three grams of dietary fiber in there. So things like Triscuits, that passes, honestly. It has three fibers into 120 calories. Um, corn tortilla chips might have one gram of fiber in 160 calories. So just to give you a couple examples. So are you, are you looking at fiber as much as you are carbs? Because, you know, I think, you know, one mm -hmm. thing that for me at least is easy mm -hmm. to tell if, man, I, I ate a lot of carbs today. Um, mm -hmm. whereas, you know, I don't think much about the, the amount of fiber I'm eating and, and yet I know, you know, fiber is so mm -hmm. important to, to me feeling good, but kind of mm -hmm. go through what, what you mean by watching fiber versus watching carbs. And then you got that total calorie number. Well, and you kind of had alluded to it too, when you're saying, okay, you can take the total carb and subtract the fiber from it and get the net carb there. Right. Okay. So that, that's kind of where I'm going with this. I, there's, you know, a brand of bean pasta, for example, that has 20 grams of carbs, 13 of which are fiber. So you're only going to net seven carbs. I want people meeting that one gram of fiber per 50 calories as a minimum, but truthfully more so exceeding that so that their day looks like they're definitely beating that 25 grams of fiber recommendation for females and 38 grams of fiber for men um, as you know, on the daily needs there. Does that make sense? Yeah. So let's go over, you know, the difference between what a, a man should be consuming and what a woman should be consuming. And then, you know, kind of talk to me about, you know, what does that mean for weight loss? You know, I, I understand, you know, from a low carb standpoint that that's putting my body in a position where I'm burning fat versus burning sugar. Mm -hmm. Um, is, is that kind of, you know, what your goal is when you're counseling, you know, patients on, you know, getting this net carb number to be lower? Yes. And the other caveat of that too, is 
I don't think I've specifically have said this, but they are on a lower carb. I am recommending a lower carb diet as well anyways. So I tend to be one that's going to incorporate more protein, more heart healthy fat, lower carb. And then of those carbs that I am recommending, making sure that those carbs certainly all do have fiber in them. Yeah. And I think, you know, based on, and again, I'm, I'm super, you know, lay person here, but the way, the way I'm interpreting that is, is that the net carb number is more important than just the regular carb number. And so really what I'm wanting to do is look for carbs that have uh, fiber in it to bring that net number down. And uh, am I kind of on track here? Yeah, you're a hundred percent on track. Absolutely. So if somebody ate 200 grams of carbs on a given day, but 50 of them are fiber, then they've netted, right? 150 grams of carbs, right? So on that day, let's get real practical. You're finding this information on just on the food label. You're looking at total Mm -hmm. number of carbohydrates, and then you see the dietary fiber. And for the Mm -hmm. listeners out there, what you're doing is you're just subtracting that top number from the dietary uh, fiber number. Yes. Yes. Super interesting. And, and can you give us that net carb number you're, you're suggesting people get at or try to get at when they're going on a low carb diet? I actually am not offering a net carb one. Um, Certainly keto does offer like a net carb of like 30, but I base it off of macro percentages. Okay. So um, based off the total calories. So if we are looking at doing a lower carbohydrate diet because of like insulin resistance, for example, 40% of the total calorie would come from carbohydrate. Um, so I'd have to do math to figure out, you know, you know, an arbitrary number of where we're starting in terms of calories. Um, but 40% is the number of total calories I would recommend for carb. If we're talking about a low carb insulin resistance kind of diet. Let, let's dig in there a little bit more because, you know, yeah. so many, so many of our patients and, you know, the audience listening here today, uh, and so much of what we preach is, is, you know, insulin resistance and watching that mm-hmm. insulin number versus just your blood sugar number. Can you give yeah. us, you know, just some tips on, on what your thoughts are on insulin resistance and, and how to become less insulin resistant? I would certainly start off by having quality carbohydrate as that main, um, one, because we are going to have carbohydrates coming in. Um, we oftentimes think, oh, because it's gluten-free or because it's organic, it takes away uh, or makes it an okay choice or a healthier choice. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it has fiber in it. Oftentimes the gluten-free pasta noodles are rice-based or potato-based, and they're certainly lacking in fiber unless they are a bean-based version of like the pasta noodles, for example, or completely avoiding the pasta and doing whole foods like sweet potatoes, beans, that sort of thing. Um, So I start certainly with having quality carbohydrate in there. And I also really pay attention to the added sugars, even if it is what we call cleaner sugars like honey, it is still 16 grams of added sugars. So being aware of these sources um, of carbohydrates that are lacking in fiber. Yeah, that's, that's really fascinating. And I know that's going to bring so much value to the people listening today, because that is something we talk a lot about is insulin resistance. And can you go in just a little bit further? You said, you know, healthy fats, and is there, you mm-hmm. know, certain things you highly recommend for people wanting more healthy fats in their diet? Yeah, I certainly recommend they be ones that are low in saturated fats. So these are going to be things like the nuts, the nut butters, 
Um, I encourage nut butters that don't have, you know, sugars added into them, obviously. So basically just like mashed up almonds, mashed up peanuts, whatever nut butter we're going with. Avocados being a beautiful source of those heart healthy fats. Um, your oils, right? You know, avocado oil, um, olive oil, there's grapeseed oil. There's so many oils out there anymore, right? Um, those being like my main sources there. And then your seeds, of course, I've got the seeds, flaxseed, chia seed, hemp, all those kind of things being great seed sources. So I, I've got to ask you, because this is something that uh, we've talked a little bit on, on the podcast is, is sourdough bread versus, you know, other forms of bread in terms of, uh, I, there's still carbs in, in sourdough bread, but it being a better source of, of, uh, if you, if you have to have a sandwich or anything like that, what, what's your thoughts on sourdough bread? I know that's just a totally random thing that I'm asking <laughs> you, but it, it, it was top of mind for right. me when you were talking about good carbs. Yeah, absolutely. From a fiber standpoint, it honestly is one that is lower in fiber. Um, So it is one that I recommend for my IBS type people, my gastroparesis patients, that sort of thing when it comes to the sourdough bread, because it is a a lower fiber um, source. And I guess that's something to consider in this conversation about carb. There are some people that high fiber is not appropriate for. Um, and it's some of those GI type of um, conditions. Yeah, yeah, it's so fascinating because, you know, I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, fiber is just something that, that I haven't, we, we haven't talked much about on the podcast. And, and, okay. it, and based on, you know, what you're saying, it's a really important number to look at when you're, when you're just mm-hmm. looking at what you're, what you're eating and what you're taking in on that day, especially if you're trying to become more intentional with what you're eating, which is really what we're trying to do here on the um, performance medicine audio is just educate people on how to be more intentional with what they're eating. And, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you that, that, that one piece of advice about looking at the top carb number and then that dietary mm-hmm. fiber number is really important. And, uh, I heard a term, uh, last week, uh, about budgeting your, your carbs and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure you can connect. Have you ever used that term out of curiosity? You know, how you use yeah. your carb budget for the day? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of look at it more as like a consistent, I'm big on consistency, whether it's protein intake or um, carb intake. Um, I don't want it to be that, okay, breakfast had a small amount of protein or a ton of carb. And then lunch was, you know, a big protein and just a little bit of carb. More about consistency throughout the day um, is really, really important to me when it comes to kind of thinking of that budget of how to spend the amount of carbs you've been given, right? So we're not backloading them all into the evening, and just going to bed on those, right? Well, I met the carb goal. I kept it under the number, but they weren't evenly distributed. And you could still be having those same insulin responses, right? If you're taking in 100 grams of carbs for some reason at dinner time, right? So, so you're saying consistency, not necessarily in the foods you're eating, but in those percentages and, you know, and the budget, you know, for lack of, yeah. a, of a better term. So just making sure yeah. that throughout the day you're keeping consistent with, you know, your net carb number, your, um, what other, your, your protein and healthy fat number. Can you even look at that? So the way that I do it, cause it, it sounds like we have a million things to track now. Um, I usually set my, my client patients up with a, my fitness pal account. Okay. And so I get them their target calories. I set their macro percentage for fat, carbs, and protein. And then on the meals, you know, maybe they're doing a breakfast, a snack, a lunch, a snack, a dinner. Maybe that's kind of their meal pattern there. I'll make it say breakfast and then I'll give them a target calorie goal, a target protein goal. And then for my ones that I'm monitoring carbs on, I'll give them a target carb goal. 
so that on each one of those eating times, they're seeing if they're getting close, right? Within like a five-ish kind of five to seven-ish kind of range when it comes to those numbers. So that when they go back and look at it and see, okay, this is my usual breakfast. Okay, this is great. This is meeting the protein, but you know, I'm not starting off my, maybe I need to have a little bit more carb here because I'm certainly making up for it later in the day by having that my, my two o'clock crash and I'm having a bunch of carbs or whatever it may be. So they can easily track that through, um, through my fitness pal and see that. And it also then shows their fiber at the bottom so they can see, okay, what's my total carb number? What's my fiber? And just kind of subtract that out very easily. So super fascinating. How, how much emphasis are you placing with your clients, um, on how they're feeling? So not only with, you know, when you're setting them up with my fitness pal and tracking these numbers, are you also kind of having them track, you know, okay, I really felt good at this calorie count at, you know, this mm -hmm. net carb count. Is that something mm -hmm. that, cause I know that it could be misleading at the beginning if you're not used mm -hmm. to a certain, you know, nutrition plan or diet, what's your thoughts yeah. on that in terms of your tracking? Okay. This made me feel good. This made me feel bad. Yeah. I kind of jumped back to, um, some GI things. You know, a lot of times people, once they start having, um, start eating a better diet, they're like, I'm less bloated you know what? I am having better energy. I'm not having that two o'clock, three o'clock crash like I used to. And they start to attribute it to the foods that they're eating and the combination of nutrients that are there, part being fiber, part being protein and part being fats. So I, I certainly do go on feelings. And then if it's an athlete or a regular exerciser, I also say, how did your workout feel? Mm -hmm. You know, did you have good energy? Did you feel like you kind of crapped out, you know, halfway through whatever it was? And so certainly having some of those kind of, um, kind of descriptive kind of feel how, how they're feeling overall. So. Yeah. You know, I, I love that just, you know, it, it's so simple and yet, uh, so many of us overlook, you know, man, if I'm mm -hmm. not feeling that great, what did I eat, you know, two yeah. hours ago, two days ago, or, you know, et cetera. It's just, excuse me. It's so fascinating. Yeah. Um, now, Absolutely. okay. I, I know we're running out of time here, but in terms of like for the people who are, you know, wanting to go on a diet or change mm -hmm. their nutrition plan up a little bit, you know, one thing mm -hmm. I know about you is, is you believe so much of this is personalized and everyone's mm -hmm. unique and, yeah. and we're, you know, we're right along in the same lines there at performance medicine. Um, yeah. how do you go about, you know, choosing, you know, what the right plan is for you from a personalized mm -hmm. standpoint? Right. Absolutely. So I start first with what their goals are. I feel like most of what I end up seeing is, is weight loss, but I mean, I certainly can see weight gain and weight gain would be a completely different macronutrient scent set than, you know, weight loss. Um, but I start with what their goals are, you know, Hey, I want to come off metformin. Hey, I want to, um, lose weight, what, whatever it may be. And from there, I personalize it, you know, are you one that likes to prepare food? You know, I need to understand where they're actually coming from because there's a lot of different diets that are out there that they can pull off the internet, but they're just not catered to them. Maybe there's ingredients or, or food items in there that are like cottage cheese or something, and they're just not going to eat it just kind of due to the texture or the calorie range just might be way too high or way too low for an individual. So um, I do do resting metabolic rate testing to determine you know, an individual's calorie needs, um, for weight loss and, and feed them to that range. And then try to work with as close, um, to the wheelhouse of foods that they're working with as possible. But the things I'm usually trying to push in are vegetables because it's the thing that most of us, um, don't do a good job with. Right. And they're not very convenient. Um, 
and they usually need something else to them to kind of make them enjoyable. So I'm usually trying to get more vegetables. Um, I, I, I love that you cannot mm-hmm. get enough veggies and, and I, yeah. I'm a huge fan. You know, I, they're so hard for me to, to do cause I'm such a big, uh, eater outer for lack of a better yes. term, <laughs> <Eater outer. Love laughs> but, <it. laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm totally with you on there. And, and I want, you know, for the people out there who want to lose weight, let's, you know, mm-hmm. one big final piece of advice, let's round it back to, mm-hmm. you know, our, all carbs aren't created equal. For the people yeah. who are trying to lose weight out there, you know, what is your, what's your advice around the all carbs aren't created equal? And we'll, we'll end the podcast there. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go back to that fiber rule because if you really start looking at the food label and you see how like 90% of the, the, um, the food in the stores are carbs, you're going to be surprised. Number one, two, you're going to see how much added sugar is in things. So if you use that fiber rule, it's immediately going to whittle down you to food sources that are whole foods for the most part, or processed foods that are with a really, really small ingredient list. Um, so that's my number one thing, honestly, is get out there, fiber test your pantry and make sure there's one gram of carb per 50 calories or be educated that the beans that you thought were proteins are actually a carb, you know, so that you're kind of learning um, a little bit more about food, you know? So. Oh, I love it. Fiber test your pantry. I love that. Mm-hmm. That is amazing advice, Andrea. Uh, this has been Andrea Kendrick on the Carb Watch. Andrea, real quick, how can people find you? I certainly want you back on the podcast. So I hope that we awesome. can set up something uh, as soon as we get off here. But uh, tell us uh, how we can find you. Yeah, if you just want to go to integrativerdnox.com, um, um, I have myself and one other dietitian, and most likely one of my other ones will be coming in back off maternity leave, or just Google even Integrative Dietitians Knoxville, um, and you can find us. You can schedule online. We try to make it as easy to do it yourself on the computer as possible. <laughs> so, and Andrea Kendrick, thank you so much. Yeah. This has been such a fun talk for me, and there has been so much weight loss wisdom in here. I can't wait to go back and, and scour through the tape, and uh, we're going to pick out some, some gems for the people uh, listening on the podcast or on YouTube. Uh, guys, this has been The Carb Watch. I am your host, Ben Rogers, and we look forward to seeing you guys. Next time. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, Please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, We will see you guys next time.